You know, we talk amongst ourselves as a crew about kind of the dynamic between each of us, but we also worked with our ground team to try to do that same thing. Twenty years ago, in a different time, it seems, International Accord allowed us to start building the International Space Station. Since then, it's been continuously crewed by a consortium of astronauts from the US, Russia, Japan, Canada and Europe. A total of 220 people have now lived in space. And Nicole Stott is one of them. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor for the BMJ. And this year I was lucky enough to go to Risky Business and talk to Nicole. Now, this might not seem directly relevant to medicine, but astronauts have to work together in teams, under pressure and in a confined space. NASA has done a lot of work on things like team dynamics and dealing with stress, and I wanted to know how that's manifest in space. My name is Nicole Stott. I'm a retired NASA astronaut, aquanaut, now artist, and I always like to throw in mom. That's a, probably the most important. <laughs> Um, now, as you say, you're an astronaut and an aquanaut. You spent three months on the International Space Station. Um, was that each time? Was it the same? Uh, I had two missions, and my first mission was, what, 91 days, so a little over three months, and then my second flight was two weeks. So. Um, and then you've yeah. done an equivalent thing under the sea as an aquanaut. How yeah. long was that? That was 18 days. That was awesome, too. Yeah. So... You were showing pictures of um, the spaces that you were in. And uh, I mean, the first thing that I thought was, my God, that's a tiny amount of space <laughs> to share with so many people. Um, could you, what's it actually like being in there? Yeah, you know, the the space shuttle, that which is the vehicle I flew to and from space in both times, uh, I think in the grand scheme of spaceships, it's really quite spacious. <laughs> There's a flight deck and a mid deck and, you know, you can get up and float around pretty freely and, you know, six or seven people in a, what, what normally we could, would consider a space that you can just sit on the ground or stand on the ground mm -hmm. with. I mean, imagine in this room, even if you could use the entire volume, I mean, you could fit a lot more people in course, here. Yeah. So that always feels better. Um, the space station itself, which I think a lot of people get this impression that it is a small place is huge. It's, um, I don't, I mean, if you lay the whole station out on the ground, it's bigger than a football field. And then the pressurized modules where we live, the ones that look kind of like the cans mm -hmm. that are all connected to each other, I think they give it like, it's like the equivalent of a, a very large six bedroom house. Oh, wow. And then imagine now you've got the whole volume of it. And so as a crew of six, you can go your separate ways and not see each other all day if you didn't want to, you know? So it's really, it's not, you know, from at least like a claustrophobia standpoint or something like that. It's not that it's confined. It's just that you can't leave it. You know, you can't just choose to go float outside or hop in your spaceship and fly home. You know, you've got to stay there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you mentioned there that you, you obviously have your, your crew with you and you, mm -hmm. you can get away from them. But you're, you're in the space with the same people for uh, three months mm -hmm. at a time. Um, that must mean that you are very aware of the team dynamics, how you're feeling, how they're feeling. Is that something that you're kind of trained in and that, that you're thinking about constantly? 
You know, I, there's no, what, what was always interesting to me after the fact, thinking about the kind of training that I did is that all of it, doesn't matter if you're in a classroom, if you're in the T-38 jet, you're in a simulator, you're learning how to do a spacewalk or you know whatever the training was or going and do an underwater mission, it, at the very base of it all was like how to work as a crew, how to work as a team. But I don't remember ever having like, okay, now thou shalt do this to work as a better team. There was, there was none of that. But you're with these people enough um, training before you fly together that you get a sense of the reaction that one crew member or another will have to certain things. And, um, and then I think the other thing was like on, on that first flight with those six people that I spent uh, my time with on the station, we as a crew made a deliberate effort before flying to say, okay, you know, we know in space, just like down here on earth, there are gonna be good days and bad days for everyone. And if one of us wakes up and floats out of our crew compartment in the morning and is, you know, just not happy for whatever reason, we understand, you know, kind of the dynamic of that. And we've dealt with it down here on the ground. And we are accepting right up front that somebody else can ask you how you're doing and, you know, offer you help if that's necessary. Or you can tell the crew, just leave me alone for a little while, I'll be fine. I mean, but there had to be, like long story short, there had to be the willingness to communicate about the dynamic that was happening. And I just felt like that happened all the time. And I don't know if that's true for all crews, I can't speak to them, but I just felt so thankful that the people I was sharing my time and space with were um, aware and willing to be aware Mm-hmm. of how everybody on the crew was feeling and working. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking, um, watch that, sometimes if I have a bad day at work, the best thing is to go away. Or if I'm having a problem that's intractable sometimes, going away and getting space from it, mm-hmm. doing something else, being at home, and then coming back can make me sort of look at it fresh, feel much better yeah. about it. Obviously, you couldn't do that um, when you're up in space or equivalent down um, under the water. So you must have, did you have any sort of techniques? How did you deal with that kind of stuff? Did you have ways Yeah, to there, I think everybody has that everywhere, you know. And uh, in space, there I, I was, as you were talking, I'm like, okay, what are the places where that, you know, that kind of escape could happen? Um, every crew member on the space station has their own crew compartment. So if you really wanted to, if you needed to, you could just go, and it's about the size of one of the red phone booths, you know, I mean, just to give a relative kind of scale. And it had its door on it, and you could go, it's where you slept. You could go, you know, lock yourself in there for a while. Usually people would say, hey, I'm going to go lock myself in there for a little while, take a nap, whatever. And the other place would be the window, you know, to find a little time away in front of the window. I mean, there that was like the most meditative, transcendent place that, you could find and i found during the day if i went during the day to one of those windows and looked out um, i had to set my alarm on my watch because you are just sucked into this you know vortex of overwhelming beauty below you and a whole orbit can go by and then they're yelling at you on the you know the intercom to come back to work and then the other thing is we have really good communication with the ground so i could just on a normal basis call my family every day uh, once a week, we had a video conference, and the, the you know just knowing that that's available to you, this opportunity to pick up the phone and call your husband, call your mom, you know, call a friend, um, was was a like a release as well. There was one thing that you said um, 
which I thought was quite profound. The, you said you needed to be willing to carry the whole team because someday they'll do the same for you. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I suppose that's the essence of teamwork, isn't it? I think it absolutely is, and 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 I think that underlying that is this idea that you know, if you think about astronauts, and I I know a few of them. Um, there's like a type A personality thing going on there for sure. I can imagine. You know, and in that personality type is this tendency to think that you can do everything really well, even when you can't. And so um, one of the things that I think, you know, the training like going and living underwater or going out and hiking in the Canyonlands or, you know, really getting out of your comfort zone does is makes you most acutely aware of the things that you are not <laughs> all that good at. And so you have to accept that others are going to be able to make up that difference. Um, but there are just going to be times, and it might not be the whole crew, it might just be somebody you're working on a task with and they just are behind on other things. And you know, you have to pick up, you know, pick it up to make sure that we get done with what we needed to do in the day. Or it could be something as just having a really um, intense week before, and all of the people that were involved with that are tired. Mm-hmm. And you need to be the one that's willing to say to the ground, hey. We're just going to have to shut it down today, and we'll pick it back up tomorrow. Did you have to do that? And and we had to do that a couple of times. And I think that that's something too. You know, we talk amongst ourselves as a crew about kind of the dynamic between each of us, but we also worked with our ground team to try to do that same thing because they really are part of your crew. I mean, they're trying to do everything they can to ensure your safety and that you're um, you know, on task too, and that the mission is getting completed successfully and they are there for you. And so you have to include them in that as well. And so our flight director, um, we made sure that she knew, hey, that you know, we just wanna know that if we need to, we can let you know that things might need to change to plan. And they were very good about that. And we were really respectful of the fact that that's not something you can do every day. To say, hey, I'm taking three days off because I just feel like it. I mean, there needed to be real reason. Yeah. And I just wonder, on the on the space station, you've, obviously you have a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a mission leader and, and things. But is it quite rigid or is it a very flat hierarchy? Like, how? what's that sort of that power dynamic thing that's going on there? Yeah. yeah. You know, we have a commander on the station. On the ground, there's a flight director that's responsible for the whole ground team. Um, but what I would say about like the structure on, on orbit, our crew in space, is that, I mean, the commander role, as what you would think of as a real commander kind of thing, like I'm going to be the one in charge, is, is a rare thing to have to have happen. Um, be, and I think it's because of the way we train together on the ground, um, is that everybody knows their role um, in different kinds of situations. And when you need to kind of work out of those bounds, um, yeah, the commander will provide, you know, input, feedback on, you know, or direction even if necessary. But the whole crew kind of gets how we should be working together. And, and nobody wants, um, you know, nobody wants stuff to go wrong. You know what I mean? And I think about reaction to, to things like the way you're saying, you know, how like ad hoc teams coming together to react to something. Even in those cases, I mean, everything I watched of, of the presentations, at least the last two, it's like um, there's still some like established, I don't know if it's protocol or process or um, even checklist in place that allows that team to come together 
and work successfully, even if they've never met each other before. And I think that's kind of the key to it, is that um, everybody has some little clue about how how to become part of the team. Yeah. So you're up in the space station for three months, and obviously emergencies like that could happen mm-hmm. at, at any point. But you're also doing sort of day-to-day maintenance mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and stuff must become almost routine after a while. Does it ever? You know, I mean, you got better at tasks because, you know, you hadn't really, the way you trained with them on the ground, and then it's always a little bit different when you're floating or, you know, um, in that that environment. But I never found anything to be routine. And, I mean, I remember even getting to the station and thinking about the view out the window. You know, you are, like, overwhelmingly impressed by this view out the window. And I thought, wow, you know, after three months and... Am I going to still be in awe of it like I am this first time looking out? And I was so pleased to discover that, yes, I was in awe of it every time, surprised by it every time. And I think the same was true for everything that was done up there. And every day is different. I think that's part of it, too, is that, yeah, there's a mix of science and maintenance and, you know, public affairs kind of outreach stuff or, you know, the wacky day where you've got people going out and doing a spacewalk or flying the robotic arm to do something or, you know, something really major. But every day was different. And I think that helped as well. You're really busy. It's different every day. You are getting to do everything from the maintenance of the toilet to a spacewalk. And that is, I mean, that's challenging and exciting and interesting. And so there might be the monotony of the same kind of thing happening throughout those days, but it just was, it just always seemed interesting and new. And does everyone do that full variety from yep. the space world? Everybody does it. And it's because, you know, right now there's, you know, there, first of all, there's limited flights, you know, available to get to the station. We can only uh, support you know, six, eight people on the station at the same time. So you can't, you know, you can't pick your crew to say, okay, we're going to have a medical doctor, we're going to have an electrician, we're going to have the scientist, you know, at this point. And I really look forward to the day where we can do that. But as an astronaut right now, it's really fun to do all of those things, you know, to feel like you have a role in everything that goes on to, you know, keep the station going and do the work that's there. One way to make housework fun. It is, yeah. Well, I told him, you know, I'm like, yeah, you can just invite me back to be the toilet cleaner. I'm happy to do it. (laughs) You've been listening to Nicole Stott, astronaut and aquanaut. You can find out a bit more about Nicole's work now in an article online called Astronaut Artists in Cancer Wards, Five Minutes with Nicole Stott, a link from the podcast text. That's it for this episode. But keep an eye out in the future because we'll have more coming from Risky Business. And before that, later this week, we'll have some new research on smoking policy that might surprise you. As always, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also on Spotify now or pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. As always, we love to hear from you. So please go to bmj.com slash podcasts. And there you can find out how to get in touch with us. And you can also find our full back catalogue, hundreds of episodes, all available for free. So plenty to keep you busy until next time. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.